Hi, and welcome to the Defenseless Moments Podcast. I'm Hunter Visser, and today I'm speaking with Larry Wilson about Chapter 9 of his new book, Defenseless Moments, titled Critical Decisions Part 1, Normal Risk versus Making an Exception. If you haven't had a chance to read the chapter or read the article, make sure to check out the episode notes where you can find a link to purchase the book or read the article on the Paradigm Shift website. Well, everybody, welcome back to the Defenseless Moments podcast. Today, we are talking about chapter nine of the book, which is part one of Critical Decisions. And in the last episode, we were talking about the when versus what um, and how the pattern for most of us was with the when. So when were we most likely to be in one of those four states or a combination of them? And then what were we doing about it or what were we doing at the time? Yeah. And again, the the natural tendency for people is to focus on on what you were doing, you know, downhill mountain biking or or, or welding instead of thinking about the the when would you likely have had both your eyes and your mind not on task at the same at the same time and you wouldn't get the benefit of your reflexes. Yeah, and I mean, you wrote about it in the last chapter that people tend to get more complacent over time, which really means at more defenseless moments. But there's another whole part of this, which is with the decision making um, and the increased complacency. Eventually, it can it can actually start to affect people's decision making. Yeah, I mean, well, probably everybody's heard this. I've been doing it this way for twenty years, and I've never been hurt yet. Well. <laughs> You can pretty much bet that person's past the second stage of <laughs> yeah. complacency. But, you know, you, you don't have to make an exaggerated caricature out of it. Everybody gets complacent. Not all of the safety rules are, are equal. Um, depending on your experience, you're going to likely think some are more important than others. I mean, how many times have you actually heard somebody say, Oh, I learned my lesson. Yeah, but they didn't learn it the easy way, usually <laughs> when they say it that way. No. But probably the best example I can give you of all this is that, you know, there's a posted speed limit all over. We all know what it is. And almost everybody I have ever met has their own speed limit. And rarely is it below the posted <laughs> speed limit. So when did you figure this one out? And why does Christian Silvestri, who wrote third generation safety, why does he think it's so important? Probably for the same reason that I do. Because uh, it's really the whole key to deliberate risk or, or, or to coaching people on, on deliberate risk. And Christian's been in the safety business uh, almost as long as I have, I think, you know, close to 30 years. And so you, you always struggle with people who are deliberately violating the rules procedures or you know whether they're not wearing a seatbelt on a fork truck or a fall arrest harness or they don't want to wear a face shield at, at a grinding wheel and part of the issue is that um people tried you know so often you'll even see this in the messaging out in the media uh hunter that it they they made it instead of saying, well, wait a minute, everybody gets affected by rushing frustration, fatigue and complacency or combinations of those human factors. It's only likely that they're going to cause errors in decisions for everybody, errors in bad decisions for everybody. Instead, it's like we went with this 
good people, bad people, like good people don't drink and drive, bad people do. Good people don't text and drive, bad people do. And this idea of sort of demonizing our own society into good and bad, and you're trying to convince a mother who's taking eight kids to a soccer practice that she's a bad person because she's texting and driving and she's been doing it for 15 years before there was even a law about it. She's not going to believe she's a bad person and she probably isn't a bad person, you know, probably generous, selfless, loving, caring, all the rest of it. But can you see how the four states or a combination of them have got the better of you in this instance mm-hmm. is much easier than saying, can you see why you're such a bad person? I mean, that's just not the kind of thing that anybody wants to accept, even if it's even if it's true, but it's hardly the kind of thing anybody's going to accept when it isn't true. Well, and it's certainly not motivating. No, so it's really, if you think about it, if you think about this thing, it, it, when it came to me, it was with that example uh, of the guy with the cutting wheel in the vessel, okay? He made an exception because of rushing frustration and fatigue on top of a baseline level of complacency, yes, right? I mean, I don't think he would have taken that guard off. It was the first time he'd ever used a cutting wheel. Um, but either you always do it or today you're making an exception or you're doing what normal for you or today you're making an exception so if normal for you is at risk in other words the person normally doesn't wear a seat belt or normally doesn't wear a face shield at the grinding wheel and i've been doing it this way for 20 years and i've never been hurt yet then we can pretty much figure complacency's got the better of this person but if they normally do wear the face shield and today they're not, they're making an exception, then it's almost always going to be because of rushing frustration or fatigue on top of that baseline level complacency, like I mentioned before, right? Now, outside of the workplace, might be doing it for a, a thrill or a challenge. You know, I want to see if I can land that jump or I want to see if I can drift this corner, but I've never met anybody that wanted to see if they could drift the front end loader <laughs> or the truck. So, yeah. um, at the workplace, the exceptions are almost always because of rushing frustration or fatigue, which means if they understand self-triggering, we can get them to extend the concept to the states that are causing them to make the decision or to make the exception today and stop and self-trigger and ask yourself if it's worth it. And normally, if you stop and think just for a second, you make the right decision. I mean, remember Mike Coulter, um used to work for us as a consultant, and he, he lost his right arm and his right kidney in an electrical contact accident with, I think, 7,600 volts. And the reason they were rushing was so that they could get to the break room and finish their card game before the weekend. So you, know, you wouldn't want to say, well, was it worth it? I mean, obviously not. But as he said to me, if I had just stopped and thought for a second, Larry, it never would have happened. But that's the problem with rushing, right? You don't stop and think for a second. So all you got to do is extend the self-triggering technique to the decision. Now, on the other side, I've been doing it this way for 20 years and I've never been hurt yet. Well, 
Obviously, complacency's got the better of that person. So now we can look at the critical error reduction techniques that are aimed more at complacency. Analyzing the close calls and thinking about how it could have been worse. Yeah, maybe you've never been hurt, but what about the time when that tool bit broke and it embedded itself in the wall behind you? What if that had to hit you in the teeth or, or in the ear? Or what if that had to hit you in the throat? So, you know, that'll directly affect the person's complacency. But you also want them to look at the other techniques too. The, the look at others for risk patterns. Well, if they see you not wearing a face shield, they're likely going to think that's one of those rules that isn't as important as the others. And eventually you need the person to wear the habit or to work on the, the work on the new behavior until it becomes a habit, like wearing the face shield. So that just like us, if you don't have the seatbelt on when you're driving, it feels weird or you actually feel uncomfortable. So you take the same critical error reduction techniques. On one hand, you're dealing mostly with complacency. On the other hand, it's rushing. It's the active states, the rushing frustration fatigue. And you just use the critical error reduction techniques for the states that are causing the majority of the problems here. And you don't have to make it personal and you get to triangulate it to the state. And you've, you've probably seen this yourself when you were coaching people and athletes. It makes it a lot easier to talk about the states than it does to talk about you. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the best example I can think of this was um, I was working with a hockey team here in my hometown. And one of the things that we were really working on was rating our state and managing frustration. So um, hockey, it's really easy to get mad at something another player does, get frustrated, retaliate, and get a penalty. So maybe the, the player that caused your frustration, they got away with a dirty play and they didn't get a penalty. But if you give the other team a one-man advantage, it's not going to help your game in the end. So we're really working on you know, using the look at others technique for other players to look out for those and say, you know, rate your well, state they, or they self actually, trigger they actually teach the the veteran nfl football players this is actually what you know they they, they pick up they actually do pick right on the rook the rookies because they know they can get the rookies to punch them <laughs> yeah and of course there's nothing stupider than punching somebody in the head when they're wearing a football <laughs> helmet so you get a 15 yard penalty and the guy who taunted you says thank you for punching me in the head <laughs> <laughs> yeah so like you're saying, that rate your state tool and having everybody sort of have this awareness about that tool or these conversations, it makes it so much easier to coach and so much easier to have that conversation with somebody who's visibly in a state and or somebody who's visibly needing to rework on those habits, like you're saying. Yeah, I remember uh, another consultant who, who still is working with us, Joe Tanarelli, and uh he, he does a great talk about, uh, you know, we literally got buried alive in a cave-in. And, uh, you know, it wasn't until he sort of saw the complacency, this decision tree, that he went, huh, now it makes sense. You know, because he, he, he knew he wasn't a bad person. He just couldn't figure out how did, you know, how, how, did, this, how did this happen, right? And, you know, when he saw this, he kind of went, okay. It was, it was just, it was really just complacency. And then that day there was just a little bit of this and a little bit of, you know, and, 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 and it, and it put it together for him. So, you know, if you could have come up to Joe that day and said, Hey, 
On a scale of one to ten, how rushed, how frustrated, how tired, how complacent. I bet you Joe, I bet you Joe never would have been in the line of fire when it happened. Yeah, that's just the thing. It's so it's so easy to look hi- back hindsight twenty twenty, but if you put it into practice, hopefully you're not looking back on something like this. Yeah, but and even if I was, you know, even if I was just like okay, some neighbor, I wouldn't have to be Joe's superintendent. I wouldn't have to be his boss. And you just went over to him and say, hey, on a scale of one to ten, how much rushing, how much frustration, how much fatigue, how much complacency. Like I said, I bet you that would have been enough. So if a company was already doing rate your state, then these conversations would be so much easier, right? They, they so much, so much easier. Um, you've, you've given everybody a common language. Um, the most important thing is, is now you're not making it personal. You're, you're getting to triangulate it to the states and the states are a common problem for everybody. Okay. So it's not like, you know, I can ever say Hunter, you know, you've got a problem with rushing, but I never do. <laughs> like, you know, um, you, you've been with me traveling uh, around. I mean, um, it's not just you and it's not just me. I mean, there's lots of people rushing to those men's rooms. <laughs> I mean, so, you know, we all we, we, we all have to deal with the state. So that makes it so much easier than, than trying to make the person feel like they're, they're deficient, right? In other words, you're just, yeah. you're, just, you're just struggling with a problem that everybody else has. But the, the thing about getting the company to do rate your state is if you can get the people to find value in it, which happens almost everywhere, and then you give them the app so that they can do this for themselves, then usually the intervention doesn't even happen because, like I said before, there's so much of a, uh, a servo correction, self-correction mechanism right within, right within this when you look in, when you look in the mirror, right? You know, you just kind of see and you go, hey, that's too much, and you sort of tone it down. Now, if you know how the states also cause these exceptions then it's now can you see how easy it is for you to go okay so you don't normally drive like this you know you don't normally drive like this you're making an exception and so you just there's so much more that just becomes self-monitored and self-corrected that didn't happen before but if you still see it it gives you so much of a, a much much easier way to to go and talk to the person without the chances of the conflict escalating. And when you think about a lot, you know, especially with your family and stuff like that, the last thing you want is to end up with arguments about safety and have safety become a negative thing, right? Because yeah. especially parent child, that's that's not going to be good in the long run. Yeah. So yeah, it's it, it's. It, it, you know, I think it's just human nature, right? You know, as soon as somebody says you're a problem, you're likely going to be getting a fight of, yeah. of some sort, right? Resistance for sure. Um, you know, it might not be active resistance, but it'll be passive. Whereas as soon as you sort of triangulate it to a problem that we all have, 
it's easy for both of you to become part of the solution, especially if for whatever reason, and you know this as a coach too, if the athletes, you know, for whatever reason, they can't remember all of the certs or they can't remember the safety-related habit that might help them, then you can sort of suggest that as opposed to, um, you know, some sort of uh, you need to change, you need to change your ways, you need to get your head screwed back on straight, you need some attitude adjustment. You should have been beaten when you were a child and now you wouldn't turn out the way you are. I mean, it goes on and on and on, right? But it's a losing battle because you're trying to tell me that there's something wrong with me and I don't want to hear it. Yeah, right? well, Larry, I think we're oh, almost... Man, I, got a problem. I got a problem that everybody else in the world has. I can, I can, talk, to, I can talk to you about that for a little bit longer. Yeah. Sorry. Well, Larry, we're we're almost starting to get into the next chapter, which is Critical Decisions Part 2. And this one's more about risk perception when it comes to error. And I found this one really, really interesting. Well, thank you. Um, well, you know, probably maybe because the, the, the one story about Valdezer and the, the almost skiing right off a cornice, 100 meters of yeah. rocks. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but you know what it's like when you're skiing on something steep, right? You cannot actually see all the way. You can't yeah. see down, right? So you can. Anyhow, I hope y'all. Uh, I hope y'all can come back uh, and, and listen to the listen to the next episode. Um, I'm looking forward to that one too. Okay, well, Larry, thank you so much for joining us again, and for everybody listening, thank you so much for tuning in to the Defenseless Moments podcast. We'll be back in just a couple of weeks with part two of Deliberate Risk and.